better be good. I'm in a bad mood. Well, sir, if I could just take a minute or two of your very valuable time to show you a little something I've been working on for the past two or three years. You know, for kids. Hey, kids. It's me, your good pal, Jenna Ipcar. Now, did you folks know that we have a Patreon? That's right. Notes from the Back Row is running on hopes, dreams, and donations from people like you. Join now and receive a variety of fun perks from early episode access to an end-of-year swag box. Learn more at back-row.com. Just click on Patreon at the bottom of the page. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the show. Hello, this is Notes from the Back Row. A podcast like no other. Different themes, rotating hosts, and so much more. So strap in for a veritable cinematic Coney Island of the mind. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Notes from the Back Row. I am Jenna, and I'm here with Carlo. Hey. And up? we are doing another post-anime club episode, which if you uh, remember from the last time we did one back in June, we're basically, Carlo and I were uh, total geeks growing up. and uh, <laughs> Still am. <laughs> still, yeah. I mean, not much has changed, quite frankly. <laughs> And uh, and at the same time, as much as we loved anime and manga, we, we have not really been that great with watching Japanese movies, uh, especially live action Japanese movies. And so mm. we figured, you know what, we we should stop being dopes and <laughs> <laughs> and get into it. So uh, actually, this is the first episode where we're going to pair a live action documentary with an animated film yeah so uh, here we are sliding back into our old ways (laughs) but to be fair we actually i haven't actually seen this animated film Mm. and it certainly is a you know a more adult thing than most comic books and yeah for sure and another interesting like little trivia about perfect blue which we'll be talking about is that originally it was supposed to be live action actually huh so yeah it was supposed to be a live action direct-to-video series but then the Kobe earthquake happened in 1995 and it damaged the, the studio so the budget was reduced and they had to go for like animation so yeah it's sort of a live action intended to be anime <laughs> and you can sort of tell I feel but totally we'll get into that yeah so I mean and before we get into it I just want to go ahead and say thank you to all of our patreons uh, you guys have been really generous and, and lovely during all of this craziness that's been happening. And uh, if you want to join Patreon, if you have any funds that you're happy to kick around <laughs> over mm. to us, no pressure. Mm. Uh, Patreon.com slash blog, yeah. And you can sign up or you go to back-row.com slash Patreon. We have a link there too. And back-row.com, P.S., that's our website. And we have a bunch of new stuff out there, including uh, a franchise frenzy, which was a previous episode of Notes from the Back Row with Carlo and Dan, where they talk about meatballs, all of them. (laughs) Uh, We also have a hoser horror that just came Mm. out, Slashers and the Mangler 2, 
which of course is Canadian horror films. And these ones are from 2000s, which is a little bit different because normally older, you know, 80s films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a suggestion from someone uh, saying like, maybe you talk about some newer movies. And Dan sort of took that like, okay, let's go back to 2000 and talk about some crap. <laughs> like, good call. That's new. <laughs> yeah, new enough. <laughs> Yeah, and then I, I wrote something recently. I reviewed uh, the She Dies Tomorrow movie, which is out on VOD right now, so you should mm. check it out. And we actually can look forward to some more uh, reviews of new movies coming out because that's kind of all we can do in, the, <laughs> in mm. this pandemic is sit at home and watch VOD films. So, <laughs> All right, so yep. here we are, post-anime. Yes. Getting right back into anime. And today we're going to talk about two films. And I think that uh, we're going to start with a film that Carlo brought to my attention, which is called mm. Tokyo Idols. From 2017, it was directed by Kyoko Miyake, and uh, it is a documentary. It's a documentary about idols in Japan. But before we get too into the movie and what it's about exactly, I just kind of want to give some motivation because it's sort of a loaded subject, this documentary. Like it's... Uh, For sure. Yeah, yeah. So it needs some context, I feel, from us. You asked me if I had any good ideas for a new post-anime club, and I had just watched this, and it... it I don't know, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like it's, uh, yeah, like I said, it's a loaded subject as we'll get into a bit later. But it also gave me sort of an opportunity to talk about the parts of Japan, which I don't want to say I hate, but you know, when people dismiss anime for being trashed, <laughs> what you, yeah, I mean, I've come across people like that, but I feel like what they're really saying is that they've been exposed to the creepy aspects of anime. <laughs> and you know weeps <laughs> but it's, it's a very black and white take uh and it can even be read a little as racist because i mean they're basically making a distinction that anime is trash but all anime is from japan so if it's right. animation from japan it's trash that's that's not a good stance to take it's right. not, not healthy um it's kind of the extreme opposite stance of being a weep basically um which you know uh people who say basically who's in whose eyes Japan can do no wrong and who excuse like pedophilic depictions and call not censoring like manga with such depictions they call that freedom of speech which is like the most incredibly misguided thing I've ever come across on the internet like there's there's no such thing as a right to ogle minors or depictions of minors there are laws against that shit, but there are no <laughs> rights defending that shit. Like, don't don't get it wrong. Right. At the point at which you're oppressing another person mm. and infringing on their rights to have yeah. uh, to live uh, free of harm, then, uh, you know, your right mm. to freedom, quote unquote, is bullshit. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically is. I mean, I still love Japan. I love aspects of its culture, pop culture. I spend a lot of time just daydreaming about moving there. I'm, I've studied the language for years, but then I kind of hit a wall, um, not really knowing how to progress in a way that worked for me. But I also, at that time, got a bit of a distaste, like I got kind of burnout on these kind of people 
like these hardcore weeps that are just not being, I don't know, ad ad adult and healthy and sane minded about all of that shit. For sure. Yeah, it's 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 tough people like that. Uh, I don't know what to say <laughs> to to people like that. But yeah, anyway, I, I've been since been able to gather categorize that in a way, like compartmentalize that in a way where I didn't want to waste like years of studying a language, so I picked it back up a year uh, ago again. But I've also like rediscovered what the things are that I love about Japan, and that's also like incited us to do this podcast. But yeah, I just thought it was important to talk about not so great aspects of Japanese culture, like we're doing post anime club, but it can't just always be a good news right. show. Even if now isn't exactly the time to add to an already like overflowing bucket of shit <laughs> in the world. But still, I mean, like I said, I just watched this movie and I felt it was a good excuse to address some things outside of like superficial movie appreciation, discuss it in a healthy way and give some context. Yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes down to being a fan of anything, and especially if you're mm. going to be a fan of a country, right? Like, I understand yeah, that there's yeah. <laughs> so many aspects to being, uh, to, to in liking something about a country. Like, uh, you know, whenever I've had friends from overseas, and maybe you included, come visit me, everyone's mm -hmm. like, I love New York. And then mm -hmm. <laughs> you there. But then if you ask them what they think about America, they say, yeah, screw yeah, America. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah you know, not totally, words, but like, but you know, know they you have mixed emotions, whereas <laughs> yeah. they have this really idealized vision of New York. Um, mm -hmm. And I myself even, you know, it, in my own country, uh, sometimes catch myself saying New York City instead of America <laughs> because uh, I'm a jerk. But um, <laughs> and the same thing, I look to Europe and I, I see all of the good aspects of, of mm -hmm. Europe and, and mm -hmm. I tend to ignore all of the like overtly colonialist racist. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh, you know yeah. the that that basically built Europe. I mean, you know, so th there's so many things. It's impossible, basically. I mean, you can you can always be a fan of something, and you're always a fan mm -hmm. of an aspect of something. And I think that that's not problematic until you start to attempt to rewrite reality yeah, with yeah, your yeah. vision and your dream. I think that's yeah. when it's an issue, and that that goes across the board to anything. If you, you know, decide like. I love Japan and the only thing that makes Japan Japan is anime and mm -hmm. uh, sushi and that's all <laughs> my whole life is anime and sushi and how dare you tell me <laughs> that I don't understand Japan you know or, or of course typically it's something more insidious like mm. white people moving to Japan with expectations of what say Japanese women are like or expectations mm -hmm. of what yeah. the society is like and thinking I'm going to be the big man on campus because they're all submissive <laughs> you know like that stuff is creepy Ooh. and hor horrendous yeah, it and is. it goes in all directions so you know mm -hmm. I think part of part of why maybe we're even doing this too is that I think it's, it's sort of nice to hopefully hopefully it's nice and, and we don't come across of course I'm sure we will you know make mistakes at some point but mm -hmm. we try to be voices of like reasonable <laughs> yeah, 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 for reasonable sure. foreigners who have a genuine interest in japan knowing full well that we are all human beings and yeah absolutely we're messed up. Like, <laughs> like even my own fandom i try to be like very even just saying that word doesn't feel right but you know what i mean like just being like self-critical and like critical about the things that i love and um, like I, I say, I love Japanese culture, but I mean, obviously, I don't love everything about Japanese culture. And, and there's, there's every country has just problematic shit going on. So it's, it's, it's just a hard thing to pro 
claim, even just saying, oh, yeah, I'm into anime. Like, what does that mean even? Like, does right. that mean you like every anime regardless of what it's about? Uh, of course not. <laughs> of course, that's not the case. Like, I can't condone everything. Or even like saying you like movies. Does that mean you uh, are like saying every movie is great no matter what? Uh, that's that's not what it comes down what it comes down to. For sure. But yeah, let's talk about this uh, documentary, Tokyo Idols. So just to explain what an idol is real quick, which mm, I didn't mm. expect because I just didn't, I didn't think about it. You said Tokyo Idols. I saw the poster and I was like, great, this is going to be about oh, J-pop. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly, no. I didn't. And I, I also like, I, I really just, I was like, bl I blindly watched this. I, I barely made any in inquiry. That's the way to watch it, It I guess? kind of is the way to watch it. But I will just tell you that maybe mm. one thing that it wouldn't have hurt to have known is that these... Idols are different from typical pop music. So yeah, yeah, this yeah. is like people that it's... are working their way towards hopefully pop music, it seems mm -hmm. in their minds at least. But this is its all its whole other sub industry of women, young women, typically like 14 to 19 and 19 is like pushing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shockingly, but yeah. Yeah, performing in, in smaller, they say underground clubs, but it's not, it's not sleazy underground clubs, but we'll get into the sleaze aspect. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But these are um, just like smaller people trying to make their own. In a way, I guess like the, the current day analogy outside of Japan would be like Instagram folks, mm, you know, like people yeah, that yeah. are you know get going viral online except that instead of it being completely online this is in person hmm. yeah like just had me thinking like uh do you know like about the vocaloid idol thing hatsune miku no does that ring a bell it's it's basically like a virtual idol oh basically. okay yeah yeah <laughs> so there's also like concerts and stuff where it's basically like a hologram on screen right she has blue hair right yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a huge thing in Japan. <laughs> it's like very unique to Japan. I've never seen that anywhere else. But yeah, in a way, I guess that's healthier because like no one is being exploited. It's, it's just, I don't know, a depiction of a computer created character. So that's the whole thing about this. This, this documentary mm. basically goes into this one idol, Ryo Hiragi, who is an idol called Ryo. And mm. she is pushing it. She's like 19 <laughs> in this documentary. Mm. And she thinks she's, it's neat, she needs to retire. And then she needs to make the jump from being this underground idol to trying to really break through to J-pop idol. Mainstream, basically. Yeah. Mainstream success. Yeah. And her idea of mainstream success is getting to sing a theme song on an anime or something. Like, yeah, yeah, for example. Or like doing like voiceover work and stuff. Like moving up the ladder, basically. And her whole, this whole idol ship basically is, it, it, it's basically a whole motley crew of older men, much older mm. from, I would mm. say like 30 to 40 bare minimum, but with mm. stragglers on both ends of that scale. So you have yeah. like old guys with white hair and then you have like younger people mm -hmm. and you do see some women in the crowd occasionally, but um, this, this documentary really focuses on this sort of 30 to 40 year old group of men and mm -hmm. what like why they are such huge fans and when i say huge fans what that means is that they go see every single show of this person 
They mm. um, have like photographs of them throughout the years from when they were, you know, 14 to 19, uh, you know, posing with them. They uh, the, the idol knows their names, a lot of them, because it's the mm -hmm. same people coming over and over again to watch them sing. And they have certain dance moves that they do every time every time a song comes on or they wear shirts, they all color coordinate. They um, and they think of this as being a relationship. They think of this yeah. as not only is this idol, she's basically their their girlfriend in their head, but without touching. Mm -hmm. And the only yeah, allowed yeah. touching is handshakes, which mm. they do at the meet and greets. Mm -hmm. There are rules where, you know, they can interact with her. In, and of course, Rio's rules is that she has to look them in the eye. She has to be welcoming and inviting. She has to smile. She has to shake mm. their hands. Uh, and, and you watch her do it. And she seems genuinely to, to, to really appreciate uh, the attention mm. that these guys are giving her yeah. in, when she's in front of them. <laughs> mm. And meanwhile, as I said, these guys are like, this is it for them. A lot of them talk about how they stopped dating because they have Rio now. Like they, they spend all of their time and energy and money donating to her in order to, you know, keep her doing what she's doing and to what they think better her life while she is giving them the gift of this attention basically. And then mm -hmm. sort of private concerts in a way, even though they're open to the public, but mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and yeah. it's, it's... <laughs> it's go ahead so here's the thing like so for me mm. I so it's it's super toxic <laughs> oh yeah yeah no there's no questioning that for sure but there's there are like degrees of toxicity yes mm. and there are so many degrees <laughs> yeah and yeah. and it's like you this this documentary is wild and it's totally worth watching because <sighs> I mean, it's it's the commodification of love. It's it's capitalism yeah, 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 at yeah. its worst. Yeah, is what it yeah, all absolutely. boils down it's, to. It, it's just the product being sold, basically, because I mean, like, like eventually, yeah, everyone is kind of be, being sold an idea of what happiness is. Right. And I'm I'm sure that like some of these guys, they find a sense of fulfillment, but ultimately, it's still like all about money and cranking out like these batches of young girls to enable their like safe little fantasies because they're so tired of i mean like japanese conformism that they've just like given up hope on a lot of things and they're like well if i have this that it's it's enough um it's it's sad but i don't know like especially like the rio brothers uh rio's like hardcore fan base of, of like i don't know like 10 or 15 mostly guys um they focus mostly on this main guy who's like 40 used to be a salary man and gave that up and he's now like a, a full-time Rio brother basically that's, right. that's most of what he does and you're like yeah okay this is a little bit sad but I mean that's just like what being a hardcore fan of something is it can get a little sad like it just I, I couldn't stop thinking about like people who are like hardcore into sports and like make that their life and their right. like real their real life relationships get destroyed because of how involved they are in that. They're so involved in a thing they don't really have real tangible stakes in. Like it's just a passive hobby to me. That's also toxic. And I felt like this guy, uh, I forget his name, but the guy they mostly focus on, or like just the Rio brothers in general, they, they seemed like 
the the least worst of what you will be exposed to in this documentary <laughs> yeah so it's really it, it, that's something I sort of was struggling with because I, on one hand, I agree with mm. you. I do think that these guys, they seem just genuinely lonely and, and messed yeah, up because are, of sure. it. And they do seem like casualties of, of a society that is just letting people drown. You know, it is. It, it's, yeah, this sure. is, again, it's just more, it's like, if you can't make the cut as like a hardcore capitalist who, who grinds day and night. I know that Japan has a, about as terrible of a work culture, if not worse than the US in a lot of ways. Uh, I know that it's they worse. don't get oh, yeah, for sure. as many days like, off. And, and basically in Japan as well, if you don't get a job right as you graduate and stick with that company for the rest of your life, you're trash. Right. There's a ton so, of social pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's immense. And it, of course, and, and then if you're a woman, like you're not, you know, you're not allowed to get any a great job unless because you're going to mm. have a child and then you can't work. It's, you know, mm. forbidden. But, you know, that's mm. even on, on the side here. But like, yeah, so these guys, I do genuinely feel for them. They mm. they do not seem inherently evil or anything like that, you know, like <laughs> yeah. for the most yeah. part. For the most part, yeah. But then the problem is, and, and I'm with you on the sports analogy. I always use sports mm. as my, uh, you know, how come it's stupid and nerdy for Trekkies, but it's acceptable <laughs> for people to paint their faces and go to sports. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I never, I That's do true. not understand <laughs> mm -hmm. the sports thing. There's, there's, yeah, I mean, I can get into sports, but there, there are limits to how much I can get into it. Right. And I see some people, especially like, hooligans as well people who yeah, beat other people it, up <laughs> beat people up because they have different alliances it's it's insanity like just based on where they're from for example it's uh it, it's it's not a good look yeah. for humanity it's manufactured drama hmm. it doesn't make any yeah, yeah, sense yeah. but at the same time i have to say that the one thing about sports which mm. isn't again which isn't to say that sports doesn't have major baggage and problems but like mm. It, it's yeah it's sports is it's borderline slavery to be honest sports <laughs> i mean sports is toxic in its own ways but like i think that sports is less of this one-sided hmm. lie the way that this is like i find this to be more dangerous because i think that it hurts hmm. both sides hmm. you know like in sports like you know there's plenty of things believe me there's so much corruption especially like in hmm. every, well i won't even get into it but like it's insane yeah <laughs> it's, it's insane. insane like it's best not like as someone who casually enjoys Sports, it's it's best not to think about that shit because you'll just get disgusted by it's, it. Yeah, it, it, I agree with you. It's slavery. But like, I don't know. I'm not. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll screw the sports analogy. Like, I won't even compare it. But like the, the problem with this idol documentary mm. uh, is that you just see how damaging this is to everyone because mm -hmm, it's, it it's bad for these men, as you said, to think that this is what love is or that this is in mm. any way a replacement for a real relationship. Because mm. here, because what this is, is G-rated prostitution. Because you mm. see, and they interview these sort of fat cats at the top, and they say this is a, a, a billion dollar industry to mm -hmm. have these idols. And this isn't just one one girl, and this isn't even just like, you know, the your local karaoke bar that has that one person who's a really good mm -hmm. singer this is people are making a ton of money off of this mm -hmm. uh yeah. and 
it just seems <laughs> so dangerous because mm-hmm. so again for these men they're they're thinking that this is a replacement for real a real relationship which in itself is is depressing to think about but it's also just so damaging to reinforce the idea that it is that a relationship is just one way street yeah 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 and 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 basically saying it's okay right yeah there's just a lot of money involved like insane like they say in the documentary like this the whole idol industry like pulls in a billion uh, US dollars per year. So it's it's basically like this insane can of worms where Japan is like, oh, no, we're not going to open that. Just let, let it all happen. And that's that's pretty terrible. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, because it makes money, everyone's looking the other way. And then yeah. the thing, too, is that all of these idol songs and you learn it mm. in the first five minutes of the of the film, they're all singing mm. about purity Mm -hmm. so now you have these teenage girls that you're essentially grooming uh to Mm -hmm. to be submissive to be um to smile uh when they don't want to to cater to these guys because well these are your fans they're keeping you in business you know so you have to you know you have to give them what they want Mm -hmm. and all of these girls have been seduced by it because they love the idea of being famous and they love the idea of being an idol and they love the idea of being wanted probably and mm. it's, you know, in Rio's case, she's, she seems like a perfectly nice girl. She's not very talented. You know, I, she mm. couldn't really carry a tune, uh, mm. which isn't to say she's not a hard worker. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's a really weird, it, it, to me, just seems like this scary way to set her up for failure later on. Mm. And one of the things I really wanted about this documentary, and, and I think one of the failings of this documentary to a degree, was mm-hmm. that it didn't spend enough time getting the tr- the true feelings of these idols but i don't know that it was possible yeah. because they I, can't I, yeah. say it out loud and like there are a couple times where someone bursts into tears because they're talking about how hard they work and they're not seeing mm-hmm. what they want to see yeah. and that is so- clearly the tip of the iceberg I sort of had the same feelings in terms of i would have liked some more like confrontational questions yeah um not just from the idols but like from the creepy fans as well like i I would have loved someone to just ask some like hard-hitting questions but then also that isn't like what the director was going for i feel like she's not going for like melodrama or any scoops like she just wants to document it as it is now which you know that takes discipline like as a woman uh the director as well seeing these girls being exploited um that must have been hard like i can't imagine that not bringing up any like feelings and and it's pretty clear i think you you get the sense of of where she's at for sure Mm. i mean in that way too i i would i think to make this a full documentary i would love to see her come back to these same people in 10 years yeah 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 for sure because i you know unless something really changes i would imagine that the fans are basically exactly the same and these idols Mm -hmm. are probably screwed (laughs) you know which which is depressing because mm. again it's like this it's it's all about this monolithic idea of what a girl is versus a woman there's mm-hmm. all of this virginity worship this idea that if mm-hmm. you're 17 you're you're no longer you know you're really pushing it you know also again being showered with this this sort of uh praise of how wonderful you are you're a goddess you're perfect you're everything mm-hmm. and then the second they turn what 20 they're they're discarded and they yeah, literally yeah, yeah. have little trading cards of these people. So it really is for these men. It's like 
this is the one woman I'm going to focus my everything on because she brings me happiness. But there's really mm -hmm. no give and take. No, no, no. It's very one sided. <laughs> and yet yeah. and yet you sort of have these women who are like they're, they're buying into this wholesale and, and they're they are getting something clearly from it. I just I think mm -hmm. that they're setting themselves up for and not them. It's not even their fault. They're being set up mm -hmm. for major issues in the future. Oh, yeah, yeah like for psychological, sure. I mean, major psychological issues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and the fans as well. It's it's sort of it feels like lose lose for everyone. Right. Like no one's gonna end up in a healthy mental state, or like some of them are already fucked. Like these fans who like they can't handle like real life relationships mentally or whatever. And then there's this like manufactured modern product product which which purely exists to make your life not better but easier and this shit's everywhere like all that people do is make things so that life will be easier not better like it's all about taking shortcuts as right. much as you can and this is just an example of that like it's the same concept there's no like mental growth or anything it's all just about remaining this fucking adult baby <laughs> basically and, and, and that's fucked. It's super fucked. <laughs> and it's funny too. There, I mean, like the other thing too, obviously, is that they don't touch upon how dangerous this is mm -hmm. uh, as far as not just even mentally, but physically. I mean, like mm. this, you're encouraging stalkers. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. you're you're telling them like this is you're condoning and and encouraging people to be obsessed with one woman and to think that they have a real relationship with this person who they they just don't you know even mm. if the even if the girl is is willingly uh you know and and I'm sure that she you know Rio I'm sure that she does like these people she does things and they show up and support her there's mm -hmm. got to be something positive about that for her but. It's like, you know, there's a one part where, where the documentary, like they interview, um, I think it was Rio and they say, do you ever find them scary? Mm -hmm. And she has this like pause, hmm. clearly like it, it's a long enough of a pause <laughs> where <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's telling it, it's just telling enough because she immediately launches into how she just wants to be popular so she can perform. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. so she wants to, she, you know, she's being honest and all of this. And I don't think she's lying, but, you know, she can't be honest and even with herself because it, it goes yeah. against what she's looking to get i do think that part of her perspective is that she's sort of like using the fans as well to get ahead totally so it's built in, in that sense she is sort of a career woman right at this point at least when we like we basically meet rio as she's 19 but she's been at the idol game for a while so which is the problematic part but because we meet her as she's 19 it all feels a bit more like palatable. She feels more like a grown woman, even though she's only 19, but uh, the way she comes across, she's, she's seen a lot, I feel like she's experienced a lot. Uh, she feels like more fully in charge of her own career. Like she doesn't have a manager that I could tell uh, pulling the strings or anything. And, and she seems very aware of the world she's in, even though the way she got into that world, I, I can't really say anything about that. But yeah, her parents seem super supportive as well. But her parents that's are another... so cute. <laughs> yeah, they are. But that's another thing where I'm like... It's another problem. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, I know Japan has like a different idea of coming of age, but it takes a lot of like basically naivety. Right. Just 
condoning some of the stuff you see. I mean, as a parent as well, some of the moms who get interviewed of like the really young idols, like the really icky parts of the documentary, I'd say it's like maybe like 30% of the documentary. Like it starts at like 10 year old idols and stuff. And, and then their moms get interviewed and they're saying shit like, oh, I was, I was worried at first, but the fans are actually quite nice. It's like she has a bunch of supportive dads. I'm like, right. <laughs> um, I don't think you want a bunch of supportive dads like that. And it's, it's, that's just not what it is. That's, that's a fucked up way of looking at it. It's so naive and so... It's willfully ignorant. I, I, I don't I, even... I really worry about that shit. Yeah, I mean, so this but... part too, this is like, there's a group, they have Amore Karina, which is mm. all 10-year-old girls doing the same idol stuff as everyone else. So they come out in frilly costumes and they dance. And their whole audience is 40-year-old men. Yeah. Like, that's it. Yeah. Exclusively. Yeah. And these are guys who they interview, too. And they're like, yeah, I just think that girls this age are, are you know, more pure. And that's, the, that's mm. the, like, the turn-on, basically. Cool. You know? <laughs> it, it's... I mean, it's 100% criminal. Uh, and I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. care if, if these guys aren't allowed to touch them uh, besides a handshake. Again, you're only now building someone else's confidence off of breaking down mm. these women. And mm -hmm. especially at such a young uh, age like that, it is terrifying. Mm. And yeah. never mind that it's 100% pedophilia. It's, you know, yeah, it, it, is, it, for it sure. is, there's no excuse for this. Like, it's mm. one thing to like, you know, look at a cute video on YouTube for five seconds. It's another thing to like dedicate your whole life mm -hmm. to following yeah. a 10 year old girl who you have a trading card of and your whole, the only time you're happy is when you uh, can shake her hand. And they, they even say that the, they want to talk to them about child things. Yeah. Like they only want yeah. to talk about like silly child conversations. Like at that point, there's a problem. There's an issue, you know, yeah. and, and that's, it's those points as well whereas like do they just want to be little girls or are they like projecting these like i don't know thinking that they're their daughters or something or is it just way more fucked up than that it's like I... whatever it is no one should be making money off of it <laughs> no no absolutely not but I, yeah i mean it's it, it's really that's really distressing it's really mm. upsetting and yeah. i i just i can't imagine that people are that naive i think that the parents probably are the ones making the money of course because you know yeah, kids can't yeah. well i don't know about the laws in japan but you know they legally can't make money basically no <laughs> yeah you know like so I'm sure that that's really the, the truth of it. Uh, and it's mm -hmm. creepy and horrifying. I will say that like as, as, as much as we've shit on the men in this documentary, the one thing that was sort of nice out of the Rio side of uh, this Rio brothers is mm. that you do see them developing this, these real friendships with each other. Mm. And that to me i mean like on one hand it seems more positive and productive than like the reddit incel groups mm -hmm. who go out and murder yeah, women yeah. <laughs> which uh are is basically a, maybe our own version of this anyhow but um mm. the problem with even their friendship and like i mean it's i think it's a good thing in that they're clearly learning what actual relationships are here they are working together towards a common interest yeah i think that's only a positive thing but mm. I just hate that it has to come at the expense of commodifying women. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the worst, if not the worst part about it, for sure. I mean, Japan is such a, a conflicting country and culture in this sense. I mean, it's like it's generally less openly toxic than other countries that I know of. But at the same time, there are like aspects to it that are like just insidious and just they have this whole aspect of like the nail that sticks out gets hammered down, which causes a lot of this. Right. It's it's the Trump version, you know, like Trump likes to say, well, we wouldn't have so many coronavirus cases if we stopped testing. Right. Like that's kind <laughs> of the equivalent here. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not that there aren't issues. It's that they're not reporting them, uh, which isn't to say, you know, it's not even in a, com a comparison. Every every country has issues like this. Every single country, because what's made of people. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. But um, I don't th this. This was a distressing but enlightening documentary. I do yeah. think that, like, as you're saying, though, like this is not mainstream. But it's clearly making a ton of money and it's only getting bigger. So mm. it's it's scary. I mean, not saying it's mainstream. There are like those idle uh, elections. Those are like right. pretty much mainstream. So, I mean, idol culture is just so huge in Japan. It exists on, on a whole lot of levels. The elections and then there's like the small groups that those 40-year-old guys who go to uh, idol groups that are like basically 10-year-old girls dancing around in a, in a room somewhere, which is... Yeah, I mean, they don't exist on the same level, but it's all part of it. So, yeah. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I thought this documentary, it's, it's important to watch just to have awareness of this kind of thing. Apparently, there's not a documentary is also on Netflix, which I didn't even realize. Like it's even you can even watch it in, in, uh, in Belgium on Netflix, which is rare. <laughs> like we don't get a lot of things over here. <laughs> so, yeah, if you want to check it out, just uh, check out Netflix if you can. And it is definitely a perfect um, transition into Perfect Blue, which was the other movie, mm. which we mentioned from I would guess that most people listening to this have already seen Perfect Blue and maybe it's kind of a classic yeah yeah it's a mm. Satoshi Kon's uh, yeah. animated film uh, I this was something I had heard about back in 97 and mm -hmm. I just avoided it because it sounded too mean I didn't want to see it <laughs> uh, and I thought I mean, not, you know that also it, the image that you always see of it is like you know women being half naked uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it looks very, it looks like the worst parts of anime culture. It looks leery and, you know, creepy. And, and so I just, I had avoided it. Yeah, but uh, it's actually confronting like anime right. culture more than anything. Big time. Which is why it's such a classic. Um, yeah. Thing is, I, I had seen like a part of this movie when I first got into anime, but I don't think I've, like I'd ever finished it. I've seen a couple of Satoshi Kon movies. Um, since I've seen like Tokyo Godfathers, Paranoia Agent, which is the series he did, Paprika, 
I think like the only one I haven't seen is Millennium Actress. But yeah, it's Toshikon uh, died in 2010 at the age of 46 while he was working on his, I don't want to say final film, but at the time he was working on a movie called Dreaming Machine. But yeah, the producers basically said they promised they would finish the film, but that still hasn't happened. Like it was put on hold because of like financial issues and everything. There are like, there are like completed storyboards, but huh. because of the like financial financial issues, I, I think like they've got like, I read that they have like 600 out of the 1500 shots animated at this point, but I don't know what's going on. Like there, there aren't a lot of updates about this, but yeah, until then, I think Paprika was his last movie. Have you seen any of his uh, other movies? Um, like Paprika is a pretty big one. That got a lot of buzz when it came out. Uh, I remember the, the, the others. Mm, yeah, yeah, actually, like, I haven't. I think because I think mm. part of it was, again, like it was, I heard a lot about Paprika. That's another one I mm -hmm. remember everyone going to go see in theater and everyone yeah, telling yeah, yeah. me to go see it. I think there was just, I, I got more into the, like Naruto and One Piece and things that like mm. seemed like it wasn't about women because I just didn't trust anime for a lot of its women mm. stuff unless it was like um, shoju. Yeah. So yeah. I think I, I I've avoided it though now now I'm curious to see Paprika mm. after watching this. Paprika but probably only a bit of it. The thing is like I'm not a huge huge fan of Satoshi Kon which is kind of sacrilege as, as someone who's uh, uh, into like seeing more like. Um, mature anime like this like I, I i feel like i appreciate the things like his approach more than i actually enjoy his movies <laughs> if that makes sense like there's just like these creators where you're like oh i wish this had a bit just a bit more maybe levity and didn't take itself so seriously yeah which this kind of does like it's it's a pretty heavy movie to be honest i think like to tokyo godfather is like maybe an exception in this catalog because it's I don't think it has like any surreal parts from what I remember it's just about these homeless people uh like they basically adopt a child and have to then go out to find the mother if I'm not mistaken it's it's it's, it's also, also takes place at Christmas so it's sort of like a Christmas movie like it's a very gentle heartwarming movie it's it's very unlike Satoshi Kon's other works huh. um yeah uh I do remember liking that one Maybe because it was a bit more straightforward. Well, I say liking, I, I guess finding it more enjoyable, entertaining than having an appreciation <laughs> for the for the things that he does normally. Perfect Blue here, The just to give the plot real quick. Hmm. This is about uh, a woman named Mima who is a member of a, they, like she's sort of a J-pop group though. I think mm -hmm. watching it in light of this idol documentary, I feel yeah. like she's an idol basically and yeah yeah, yeah for sure uh her group name is cham <laughs> yeah <laughs> which uh, i'm trying to under i was i was trying to figure out what that could maybe have been and at the beginning they say something like she used to be in chamming bird and now it's just cham and i'm like maybe they okay. mean jam <laughs> i don't know i honestly don't know i kind of love like figuring out stuff like that like there's a great place in new york that's a japanese chain of like pastries and it's called harbs mm. <laughs> harbs <laughs> and they, they like have a carbs, they but... have a straight up um everything <laughs> looks like little herbs all the illustrations and they have a straight oh. up yeah <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> uh or herbs in in the uk dialect but um 
I, I do kind of love like that distortion of like I love English I love language, <laughs> culture, even what they do with that. It's I'm a big fan of that stuff. Well, I love it because they have this little like like framed thing that says like you know we were we named it Harbs because we were influenced by herbs and I'm like just say you typoed like <laughs> like no, it's but, fine I love it don't worry about it yeah I do honestly love it like not in a haha that's funny kind of way no I, I love just, it I I just love what they do with that stuff like even if it's unintentional or whatever it's like they they do their own thing and it's fun I love it um mm. so she's in Cham. And uh, she basically decides that she's going to leave this three, this trio in order to strike out on her own as an actress. And so uh, it's basically about her walking away from her, her image, not walking away from her fans, walking away from her mm. popularity and walking away from girlhood uh, as it mm. was defined by her being an idol, which, of course, you know, there's a ton of her wrestling with uh, the fact that she's, you know, no longer pure. It's mm -hmm. this almost to her becomes a symbolic walking away from virginity in order to become a an actress, uh, which, of course, like, you know, the first roles that she's given is like a rape scene, yeah. <laughs> being a mm -hmm. messed up like, you know, uh, PTSD uh, woman in a, like a crime mm -hmm. drama. And yep. then she gets um, photographs taken who and he sort of slowly convinces her to take off all of her clothing. And then, of course, they only publish the most explicit photos of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it becomes this thing where she's really wrestling with being tarnished and ruined and filthy. And then meanwhile, she has this stalker who we realize is a sort of terrifying looking dude um, who calls himself me mania and mm. writes on his blog, which, which was brand new at the time. And, and that's kind of a fun part of this for me. Yeah. yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, he writes on this blog about how she would be acting normally at, when mm -hmm. she was in Cham. So it's like this sort of, she sees this version of herself live flourishing online as like, I went out and bought a puppy and now I'm going to, you know, like now I'm smelling the flowers, you know, like this totally sanitized, G rated innocence, purity uh, version of herself where meanwhile mm -hmm. she feels like she's struggling with selling out and she she wants to you know strike out as a woman but she doesn't really like the cost of it but she's willing to do it and so mm. the whole thing basically devolves into this mental struggle within Mima and the stalker maybe mm. multiple stalkers uh who are coming after her and just trying to kill her for her, mm. for breaking their hearts uh, by leaving Cham. Yeah, yeah, betraying their image of what Mima was, basically. And in that sense, and especially pairing this with Tokyo Idols, this was mm. super fascinating. To me, in a way, it was almost like the, the inevitable conclusion of that documentary. Yeah, yeah, it kind of is. Um... It's, it's funny, like uh, in another podcast, I was talking about this Tokyo Idols documentary as well. And someone brought Perfect Blue up. I'm like, oh, man, that's that's such a perfect pairing for this. So I'm glad that we got to do this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and it was almost it was almost better in a way that I hadn't seen this until after watching that documentary, because yeah, it yeah, really yeah. like they really spoke to each other. Uh, and mm. it felt like, you know, this is a movie about the psychological torture of being told that you must be forever young and pure, mm -hmm. you know, in a world where we only get older <laughs> and, <Yeah>. and sex <laughs> is a natural part of life. I mean, like, you know, what are you going to do? And then coupled with these fans who think they, they own you and that you mm -hmm. owe them because of the fact of, you know, that you were an idol. 
And so it's this one-sided love and this obsession and anger over what? Over the inevitable. It's over growing mm -hmm. up as a human being. I don't, I, I almost think it, it improved my viewing of Perfect Blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's perfect. No, I know what you mean though. Like these movies definitely complement each other. Like you were saying before, like it would have been great to have like a 10 year after the fact Tokyo Idols follow-up, but that's sort of like perfect blue shows you the consequences like what happens after what the the insidious toxic nature of that whole industry kind of begets basically and perfect blue also wrestles with something that i also wanted to see more of in that documentary which is the damage mm. done to female fans mm -hmm. who feel yeah. lesser because of this image that's being projected and and seeing crowds of men coveting it now, granted, these are not, you know, the cream of the crop guys like, you know, sorry, guys, like, you know, we're, we're all ugly. Don't worry about it. But like, you know, it is, I think, super damaging and weird to see that to because to, mm. these are already I mean, like for all of the, I guess how the way that Reddit's sort of taken in 4chan, all these these places have taken over the the dialogue on loneliness. And of course, it's not a male only problem. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. this is an issue for human beings and, and especially women. Uh, and, you know, to be constantly bombarded with the idea that you have to be perfect and pure and innocent when, you know, again, life doesn't stand still. It's impossible to be that for always. And, and quite frankly, even when you're young, it's impossible to be that, you know, at a certain point you see the news and there goes your innocence, you know, yeah. I mean, like, it, it's just life isn't. I don't know. It's like it's arrested development. Uh, it, you uh -huh. know, life is not about standing still and and not knowing things. So, yeah, I, I thought it was you know it was fascinating to to see how they sort of deal with not only um, Mima wrestling with her own problems mm -hmm. of being an idol, but also other women around her wrestling with uh, not living up to the standards that they see mm -hmm. Mima being uh, projecting. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 literally bad for everyone except who's raking in right. the paychecks, basically. It's also just, can't we just start telling each other it's okay to just be what you are and you don't have to live up to anything other than what you're comfortable with because it's it, it, it's basically humanity ruining itself. Totally, yeah, like for a the buck. idols, the fans, <laughs> uh, people outside of that even, it's, it's bad for everyone, just bad news. Like, stop giving like start maybe realizing what you're doing and is giving money to the rich because that's ultimately like the only thing that just has to stop <laughs> agreed mm. <laughs> the the, yeah. the the moral of this episode is like we like bust out marks and, and angles and <laughs> <laughs> No, but I, I agree. I mean, it's just, it, this is really, both of these films are capitalism at its worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For and sure. it's just yeah. showing the trap of trying to, to, you know, make a buck on image, which, as you said, it's, it's, not, it's not possible to do in a healthy way. No, no, no. Forget about it. It's fucked up. And it's certainly, yeah. it's not, this isn't, you know, and as we said, this is not a Japan-only problem. No, 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 no. <laughs> Clearly, but it's an this, issue this is in Japan the... that needs to be addressed, but this is not mm. a Japan-only problem. No, 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 for sure. Because, I mean, that, that's another thing that I always struggle with. Like, people who have this, well, isn't Japan fucked up? Like, the weird Japan thing, you know? It's, honestly, it's just a different culture, but you're just as fucked up in your own way. Totally. It's, it's just, you just get confronted with this 
other culture and it just makes it weirder. There's this like, I don't know, disassociation thing going on. In the same sense that the grass is greener on the other side, the grass also looks different on the other side. <laughs> and that makes it, I don't know, like you have one of two reactions to that. And it's either like you embrace it maybe too much or you just say it's no good and say it's weird. And ooh, what's this new thing that I haven't seen before? I think it's like a weird, it's like a knee jerk reaction of like being confronted with your own truth. It's like people looking in a mirror and being like, Ooh, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It really, no, cause it it, as you said, it is like, you, you know, there's nothing like, you know, I, I mean, as an American, I mean, America has so many problems, you know, inherent and, mm. and granted now if somebody foreign uh, or when i've lived abroad and people try and shit on america i'm like eh, you guys don't get it you know like i'm not gonna say <laughs> like i will never um say that america is perfect uh mm. ever but it's such a huge concept as well like, yeah i mean america. there's a lot of subtlety <laughs> and nuance to like mm. real to anything to criticizing anything and like it's the same thing if if but if you look at another country and you're like, well, that's weird because they're they're all slaves to capitalism. And then you like mm -hmm. go to work, you know, nine to eight. And then you get called at 11 p.m. because your boss wants you to do something and you do mm -hmm. it. <laughs> mm. uh, you know, you're not any better. I mean, like and that's no, certainly, no, no. you know, it's it's very recognizable. And I think people have a hard time dealing with what they can recognize even in someone else, it's like they have the realization of, oh, that's weird there. And they don't like apply it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because even as I'm like talking about both of these movies, I'm like, I'm realizing all of these other like, yeah, it's like Reddit. It's like um, <laughs> we have pageants for, for children in the U.S. too that like is a, you know, mm -hmm, we have yeah. multiple reality shows about. And it's not something mm -hmm. I've ever encountered in my life. Uh, mm. But clearly it, it exists and, and people go to it. So, you know, it's sort of, it's not mainstream, but like it is. <laughs> mm, no, it's everywhere for sure. Yeah. Like in some way it's everywhere. And it, it gets so enabled as well. And oftentimes it's just apathy that enables it as well, which is also pretty bad when you think about it. It's just like, oh, I just want to turn my brain off and just, I don't know laugh at other people's expenses, for example, or right. something like, especially like re reality shows. It's, 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 that's the only reason people watch that. I'm like, yeah, well, maybe just don't pay attention to those things. I don't know. Read a book. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be a big nerd here, but yeah. I mean, for me, part of, part of the appeal of watching movies for me is, is mm. to, to consider you know life around me as pretentious i guess as that sounds <laughs> i didn't prepare this statement but like it is it's sort of a meditation i mean like i mm -hmm, i watch a film because uh, you know i want to be entertained but also because you know i like to think about what it's like to be somebody else and i also like to think about mm -hmm. how that other person's experience applies to me mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be a true story in order to get some truth to mine truth from it so mm -hmm. i mean watching something like perfect blue in, in tokyo idols i mean it makes me think of my relationship to social media not that i'm really an overshare yeah. but i certainly you know i'm addicted to receiving any kind of feedback like that whether it's you mm -hmm. know positive or negative it's like mm -hmm. it's an addiction uh, you know, it I is, think yeah, about yeah, yeah. too just how how damaging something like this would have been to me at a young age, and and even me as someone who was a very willful child, and mm. I didn't wear dresses from the age of three to like twenty. 
Mm. You know, like I did, I was the opposite of, of girly girl, but I also mm -hmm. never wanted to be called a tomboy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I was my own thing. So yeah, yeah, that's perfect. I mean, be your own thing. That's a, that's the perfect way to be. It is. Um, and yet even then, I know that this sort of stuff would have been damaging to me to if I was exposed to it or if like I had mm -hmm. parents that, you know, had put me in that sort of thing. Like I can because yeah. I can see there's so many times, especially when you're young and somebody older comes to you and compliments you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I can think about multiple times that were that vary from cool to creepy where mm -hmm. older men come up and say something about you mm -hmm. and that stuff sticks with you. And I think it's like yeah. also, and especially as it, for teenagers, because teenagers think they're adults, they think mm -hmm. they know everything. And it's not that they don't know anything. It's just that they don't fully understand every, all the context and, the, and, and loaded yeah. questions and like loaded compliments and the give and take and just how insidious mm -hmm. these things are. And so like, I can totally, it just, it upsets me to, to watch stuff like that and realize like, yeah. it's, I can it's see always... what's happening here, you know? It's always just people want what they don't have. Like teenagers want to be cool and grown up. Right. Adults, uh, they want to feel young again. And idols want to be mainstream success, uh, big time idols. And, and I don't know, uh, it's just never ending. Like, if, <laughs> like the, the need to want is, is never ending. And, and that sort of yeah, like- Yeah, you have to make peace with it. Yeah, you have to make peace with it, absolutely. And there's so many ways to keep that going, but it, you have to realize that it's endless. And like, where does it end? It ends when you want it to end. And there's, there are other ways to enjoy life, you know? But yeah, <laughs> getting all philosophical talking about anime here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, hmm. that's what we, we hope we can contribute when we talk about post, <laughs> when we talk about movies like House. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit harder to get philosophical about House, but House has its own perks. Um, House tells you never trust your stepmother. <laughs> that's pretty straightforward. <laughs> and murder's okay. Mm, as long as yeah. a cat's performing it. Yeah, and watch out for pianos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for bringing both of these films to my immediate attention because I don't know that I would have sought them out, honestly, because again, it's mm. just like, and I think there is a degree of like it, I, I do tend to avoid unless I'm really in the mood to avoid things that I think are getting, going to be depressing. Yeah, yeah. And, no, I get it. I, I totally <laughs> get that for sure. And, but these were, I, I would say that while there were depressing aspects to both of these, I found them both to be more enlightening than mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Making. Absolutely. Definitely enlightening stuff even if someone was hard to watch it just felt important to watch you know yeah and maybe I get a bit of a trigger warning for the other I mean it's too late we're at the end of the podcast but <laughs> uh, yeah, for depends, Tokyo like... Idols it was definitely I did not expect that but uh, I agree mm. I think it's it's something that I mean I can't do anything about what another country is doing but like I do think it's no it's interesting to watch if nothing else to realize how it applies to our own your own country and and to see mm -hmm. what what could happen and mm. and pray it, it yeah. doesn't yeah. <laughs> I will say that if you want to watch perfect blue it's streaming on hoopla which is apparently a library service if I'm not mistaken like but it's probably only in America hmm. Do you know about Hoopla? No, the different libraries mm. around here have different services. Oh, so okay. it might be, but that doesn't mean people can't sign up for it. So oh, okay. that's worthwhile yeah, knowing. 
Letterbox has this service where you can just see what's streaming where. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Perfect Blue is either streaming on all the evil sites like Amazon, Google, uh, <laughs> and, and so forth. But you can also watch it for free on Hoopla if you have a library card, I'm assuming, in the States. Other than that, there's also like a DVD, Blu-ray combination that you can get most anywhere. There's a UK release, uh, an American release. And this is the thing that kind of surprised me because the original negatives of Perfect Blue were destroyed. So I was like, oh, so then a Blu-ray won't ever exist. But it exists. But I'm assuming, like I read some reviews, it's probably just an upscale. So don't expect like... It says like 1080p, but it's, it's probably not going to be super HD and super crisp. But that is a way to watch this movie and support this movie. And, but just don't buy it on Amazon, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For sure. They don't need any more money, Amazon. No, no. All right. Well, until the next post anime club if anyone um has a suggestion for what they want to they want us to watch uh you know especially for live action japanese films then go ahead and tweet us at backrow cine blog yeah i mean especially backers like if you have any fun pairings that you can think of uh we'll always take a look and give some feedback and especially our our patreons who who paid to request an episode and no one's done it yet so <laughs> oh are there like people out there who can something but they're not doing it yeah we they can they can request Jesus, us to, to, to watch meatballs one through four again <laughs> and <Please no. laughs> they're just sitting on it so all right whatever you guys want you know yeah yeah um i do want to plug like one final thing plug it plug before it. we sign off um so i've been developing a new show for the compañeros radio network made some friends there and they asked us to put a show together uh dan and i and we've recorded that but it's not out yet but in that first episode as well i will be talking a little bit about tokyo idols but the main focus of that episode will be gaia girls which is a japanese well it's a documentary about japanese female pro wrestling and it's sort of the flip side of the coin of tokyo idols because it's very much about not about what men generally consider femininity and especially like their image of like japanese women basically uh it's, it's a fascinating subject and i feel like we barely scratched the surface like female pro wrestling it dates back decades as well but we had a really good talk uh look forward to that i don't know exactly when that will be out but it should be in the coming weeks for sure as well as soon as this one drops uh, so yeah, check it out, Compañeros Radio Network. I'm not going to spoil what the podcast is, is called yet, but just follow them. Um, it's just Compañeros Radio Network on Facebook. They have a website as well, gogocompañeros.com. And that, that's their Twitter handle too, is gogocompañeros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just look for that. Just use your Google skills and you'll find it for sure. You'll also find a bunch of photos of Zolar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, if you want, you can follow me on Twitter as well. Uh, my handle is at ZolarFox. <laughs> so. <laughs> Perfect. So give me a follow. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that you change your Twitter handle to only get better and better as time goes on. <laughs> hey, look, I saw it was free and I was like, this is an upgrade. <laughs> like, whatever I had before, this is an upgrade. <laughs> Perfect. So. 
until I have an, a, a new <laughs> thing that I find. It's at SolarFox. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, continue mm. to view us, peruse back-row.com. We uh, are we're going at it hard right now. So <laughs> whatever that means. Yeah, I don't know myself. But yeah, I mean, I'm just keeping on keeping on keeping <laughs> as on. much as I can. Mm. All right. Sayonara. Bye-bye. This podcast is a presentation of Back-Row.com, co-founded by Veronica Dolgenko and Jenna Ipkar, also featuring Carlo Van Stepout and Dan Gorman.